And so you can take out your notes, and if you're new to our Wednesday night equip, we'd like to welcome you. And it's different than our Sunday morning, so you can tell your notes are blank. You're going to have to really, really pay attention. I can tell you are right now. But we're going to be talking about the miracles of Jesus Christ. And if you were here last week, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. And in fact, it was more than 5,000 people. But that Jesus Christ was able to feed so many people. And the miracles of Jesus is, is, is more for us to look at and not necessarily understand that, okay, Jesus did a miracle and he fed that many people and then just leave it at that and that's the understanding. There's more to miracles than what it seems. Because God does everything on purpose. He doesn't do things at random or by accident. He does everything on purpose. And so we're going to be talking a little bit more about, about the miracles of Jesus Christ. Before we get into that, I just want to share a little bit about our pumpkin party that's coming up. And some of you are involved in it. Some of you are getting ready for it and, and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're helping out. But some of you, you have no idea where to serve or how to volunteer or that we would even have a pumpkin party. The vision behind our pumpkin party was a result of uh, our communities being so scattered and thinking of the safety of our children and, of course, families together, that we wanted to provide a place, almost like a one-stop shop, for our families to gather together in an environment where it would be safe for the family uh, and that they could, the, the children would play games and you know the teenagers would be able to hang out here and, and have fun during that night. Also, where... Uh, you wouldn't have to go crazy driving all over the place with your children. Some of you will still do that, uh, and that's still fun, but we wanted to just bless the community in that kind of way, and we felt the Lord saying that this is a way for us to reach out to our community because for some of us, when we invite people to church, they say, oh, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to go to church. But if we say, hey, we got a pumpkin party that you can come to. And in fact, there's these invitation cards that you can pick up at our information center. Or on Sunday morning, we have these in the bulletin. You just give this to them. And when they look at it, it's done very well. Our graphics team did an excellent job. I think Jared Sumick did the, um, the graphics for it. But just an outstanding job with equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So this is your tool to go and reach out to people who may not know Jesus Christ. We also have a website, and it's newhopepumpkinparty.com that will give more information. So sometimes you'll do a text message. Just take a picture of this, Instagram it, text message, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want to do. Or go to the person face-to-face and hand it to them. But it's a way for us to reach out to people. So that's our pumpkin party coming up. We're going to have some games, and uh, we're going to have a little train ride for the children. And they're still looking for volunteers for the train ride. Uh, and then cardboard, because they're painting all of these different uh, areas to theme it with the, the night. And it's called Legends of Time. So there's going to be different uh, time zones. You know, there's, I think it's uh, biblical times, western times, medieval times, and futuristic. So it's themed that way. So please see uh, Donnie or Pastor Lynn, or just go to the information center and say, I want to get involved, I want to help. Also, we need pop-up tents. You know the 10 by 10s? The ones you go down Keokaha or, or uh, Four Miles and you hang out, you just pop up your tent or Coconut Island. Just those kinds of tents. And so we, we're asking for those tents. Uh, you can see either Eugene or Donnie and let them know, I have a tent. Put your name on it. 
Make sure you put your name on it because it can be sold. Uh, also, just to get you a, a uh, just a heads up as a church, what we're trying to do with our parking is uh, make it more fluid, where uh, fluent or uh, so the traffic could go better. <laughs> I'm trying to bust out my big words. So when you come in, it's almost going to be like a one-way through the whole uh, campus. So we're going to provide maps for that uh, on Sunday morning so that you can see what the traffic is going to look like. Uh, that way, people can come in and out. Uh, sometimes we get caught in the traffic, and we want to do well for our community. You know, for somebody who may not attend the pumpkin party, but it takes them 40 minutes to get home, we don't want that to happen. So we want to do well with our community also. So uh, that's just a heads up on that. Also, they're still looking for volunteers in different areas, and you can go to the information center and say, I want to volunteer. Uh, one thing with our volunteering, though, we do uh, background checks because we're with children, and so we want to be safe as a church to make sure that everybody's on the same page together. Uh, also, they'll be serving hot dogs, chili, and it's a Western chili. So it's not just your ordinary chili. It's your Western chili. I think they're throwing like chili peppers inside. I don't know. All I know is it's going to be good. Of course, juice and, and beverages. But this year, we'll have turkey legs. You know those big, if you went to Disneyland, you got those big turkey legs. I, I, we're going to be having that. And that's going to be available uh, in our kitchen. We're going to have the pavilion with food. And then our baseball field, where the, pav- uh, the concession stand is, will be serving there. So what we're trying to do is expand to serve the community better. So you don't have to walk all over the place to get food. That you can be in certain areas and you can eat your food. Also, the staff will have T-shirts. The staff, some will dress up. But I think they'll have shirts that says staff on it. So if you have any questions or your family members or your friends that you invite have any questions, then the staff will be around uh, with a staff T-shirt so that they could be identified. Because we still want to create a safe place. And, you know, if the staff is dressed up, you don't know who the staff is. And if someone needs help, you know, who are you going to call? I knew you guys were going to say that. You're <laughs> showing your age. <clears throat> uh, also, here's just a, a tip for all of us. Uh, we're going to be passing out maps for that night. And it's just a way for us to know where everything is because we're doing uh, different things. And we're having some new things happening. So we want to make sure that you know what's happening too. Uh, because this is our home church. So we kind of know the campus, but we're not going to know where everything is. So we're trying to do that also. And pray that as the Lord uh, does this in our church together, we'll be able to reach people for Jesus. There's over 3,500 people that attend that night. That's like us estimating. So it's not like we count each person. But we have the guys outside trying to estimate how many people come through. And this is the biggest event on that night, on this island that I know of. So we want to do it well, and we want to do it to please our Lord. So be involved with that. Check out the website, newhopepumpkinparty.com. Okay, open your Bibles to John chapter 6. And last week we talked about Jesus performing the miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus people. He fed so many people. And what we've learned is that Jesus is also the miracle maker of even food. That he's, he's so detailed in the things that we do that nothing slips by him. He's mindful of everything. He knows everything that is going on. In John chapter 6, I'll read verse 14. And this is after 
the, the miracle of the feeding. It says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said this, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And so they were ready to take him and make them their king. But then it continues and it says, But it was not his time, so he went off to the mountain alone. And when, whenever Jesus went to the mountain alone, he didn't just, you know, just hang out like his downtime and just kick back and relax. He spent time with the Father. Now, if you think about it, he, he just ministered to almost 10,000 people or even more than 10,000 people. So that drains you. But Jesus spent time alone with the Father. Whenever Jesus spends time alone with the Father, it reminds me of how often we need to. This is the Son of God. He just did a miracle. And then he spent time alone with the Father. He also took that time to replenish. You know, he took that time to rejuvenate. Sometimes we experience a great thing that God has done, but we never take time to be with the Father. You know, we never take time to be with Him in an alone time or reading His Word or being with Him in a, a setting as worship or, or just being still with Him. And Jesus reminds us that being alone with God is a good thing. It's healthy for us. Even He did that. How much more should we? Oh, Christ demonstrated that He had the power over food. He multiplied the loaves and the fish. And this was not the first time that He multiplied food supernaturally. Remember in the Old Testament when they were in the desert, in the wilderness, and they were starving and they're kind of complaining to Moses? And then the Lord sent down these little uh, drops of rain, but it, was, it turned into wafers. Remember, it was, it, it, they, they didn't know what it was. It was like these little rice cakes. And so they said, what is that? What is, what is all of this? Like little wafers on the ground. And that's exactly what they continued to call it. We know it as manna. But the Hebrew word for manna is, what is it? So whenever they said, hey, so what are you eating for breakfast? What is it? That, that was the response. So what are you having for lunch? What is it? What are you having for dinner? What is it? Remember when whatchamacallits came out? We would have fun with it. Hey, what you? I got whatchamacallit. What do you have? Whatchamacallit. What do you call it? That's what it is. You know, it's, so it's kind of like the same thing. They had whatchamacallits. They, 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 that was the name they, they were given it. It was, what is it? They didn't know what it was. You know what that tells me? Miracles are more than what it seems. When the manna dropped down and they, that's what they ate, it wasn't about that. It was more than just manna. Today, even, even today, people are trying to figure out what is it about miracles. What, what, why does God do miracles? Why, why do some miracles happen to some people? Why do miracles not happen? Or why doesn't miracles happen on some people? Why do some people get healed? Why do some people don't get healed? See, healings means more than just the healing. Miracles mean more than just miracles. It, it meant something more than just, in this case, something we eat as manna. Because Jesus teaches us about miracles. That there's certain reasons why he would do certain things. See, not all miracles were healings. In this case, it was the manna or the feeding of the 5,000. But all the healings that Jesus did were miracles. He also had the power over nature. And we see this when he rebuked the wind. Remember in the book of Luke, and you can turn there, Luke chapter 8, 
verse 22. I'll read this story, and I love this story. Because it shows us that Jesus, the, the miracles that he did, he shows us that he has power over even nature. And we may not even look at this as a miracle. We might look at this as like, wow, he has power. But if we understand what he did, we will, un- we will begin to see that, wait a minute, it was a miracle. In Luke chapter 8, verse 22, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling and, and they, they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Now, I think many of us, we've gone to the beach, and many of you that have surfed, you know, we'll go to the beach hoping there's waves. Sometimes we'll go to the beach and, you know, there's no waves, and we'll pray, Lord, please bring some sets in. We want some waves, and we pray to him, and if there's a wave, we say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Or if the wave's too big, Lord, please bring it down a little so we can go out. So we pray, and when certain things happen, we're, we're thankful. The miracle was not necessarily that he calmed the wind and the waves and that it settled down. Because we see storms rise up and storms disappear. It, it comes and goes. It's that quick. The miracle was, was the whole context of what Christ was doing. That when he said for the for the sea to be still, although the storm can leave, you know how long it takes for water to settle down? Remember when we had our tsunami and it was, thank God, it was just a a couple feet that it rose, but it took a while for Bayfront, for Oahu and the different islands to settle down. In this case, it settled down just like that. See, the miracle is the words of Jesus Christ. It's not necessarily what's taking place. That's the sign. That's the result of what he spoke. Here's what I want us to catch tonight. When Jesus speaks something into your life and my life, it's a done deal. But how many of us fight what he says in our life? We don't settle down. We keep being driven, tossed to and fro, as the book of James says, because we're double-minded. We doubt what the Lord has said. The Lord will speak something to us. We'll catch it on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, in in our devotions. We'll catch it. But we won't follow through with what the Lord has asked us to do. So we're unsettled, unstable, tossed to and fro, being double-minded. And I thought, Lord, when you speak something, it's a done deal. That's the miracle of Jesus Christ. It becomes a miracle when he speaks it and we live it. See, the miracles that Jesus does, for many, they might not even be aware of it. We're only aware of this miracle because they wrote it down. 
There's no geological record of this taking place. There's no, there's no you know, uh, database that was being collected back then to show today that, hey, at that time, the, wa- the waves and the wind were you know, rising up, and then all of a sudden it stopped. We can do that now because of the technology we have. All we have are these witnesses that have said, this is what has taken place. The miracles that happen in your life and my life, many people may never know. Many people may never see what takes place in our life, but we do. We understand what God is doing. And so the miracles that He does, He already knows what's going to happen. It's really up to us. Are we going to be the ones that cooperate with Him and say, Lord, when you speak it, it's a done deal. He has power over nature, which tells me He has power over us. He has that authoritative power to speak into our hearts. But we can fight it. It's up to us. We can fight it. We can be unsettled. But when he speaks, it's a done deal. He even walked on the water in, in, in the way that, that caused the disciples to be fearful. Because we've got to picture this. I think if Jesus came floating, you know, if he was swimming to them, I think they would have been curious, not fearful. Like if you were outside Bayfront and you're maybe night diving and you're in your boat like a little Zodiac and you're, you're getting your gear ready and you see someone swimming, maybe you get startled, but you wouldn't be fearful. You'd be more curious, like who in the world is swimming late at night, especially over here, without no dive gear or a flashlight. So, but picture this, you're out there with some of your friends. And it's dark. Let's dim the lights. Let's, 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 let's put us in the, the, the place. Let's dim the lights. Turn off all the lights. Yeah, there you go. So it's dark. You're outside Bayfront. And you're there with your friends. And then all of a sudden, you see someone walking towards you. Way out there. You see what I mean? you scared already. It's just a story. You turn the lights back on. But picture that. We get scared coming home in the dark when your key don't open the door. Hurry up, hurry up. We, we get afraid. But the disciples, they, they were there in the boat. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. And they were afraid. But then, of course, now they recognize that it's Jesus. Peter calls to him and says, Jesus, if that's you walking on the water, bid me to come. And then Peter does. Peter walks on water. Of course, he begins to sink. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus. When Peter said to Christ, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. I wonder if Jesus, I wonder if if Jesus said, yes, it is me. But Peter, don't come yet. I wonder if Peter said, I wonder if, if Peter did this. If Peter said, too bad, I like try. If he jumped out of the water, what would have happened? I wonder what would have happened. Yeah, most likely he would have went right through and sank. But the miracle was once Jesus said, come. That's where the miracle began. It was up to Peter to step out of the boat and get on that water. Peter experienced a miracle because of what Jesus said. When Jesus spoke it, the miracle was available. The miracle was ready for the taking. But Peter had to step out of the boat. Maybe the Lord spoke something to you. 
Maybe he said to you, you're going to do great in your marriage right now. It's not going well, but you will do great. But you need to take the first step. You need to love your spouse like how I love them. You need to speak well to them. You need to pay attention to them. You need to look at them in the eyes when they're speaking to you, not stay on your phone. You need to pay attention to your children, not stay on the computer, because I want to build your family. I know it's hitting hard right now. I understand. <laughs> Believe me, I, I, I got to do the same thing. And, we gotta, and he's saying, I want to I build your family. I want to build your business. I want to do this in your life. I want to take care of you financially. And he'll speak this. He'll say, give to me. Because I want to make you more like me. Sometimes we say, I'm going to give so I can get. That's not the principle. The principle is I give to become more like him. You let him take care of the blessing. But our motive is, Lord, I want to be a giver like you. That's my motive. I want to be just like you. But when he speaks it, it's a done deal. Do we get out of the boat and do what he asks us to do? Or is it too hard for us? Or do we doubt and sink like Peter? When he speaks it, it's a done deal. That's why we love this scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What Jesus spoke, he's still speaking. He's the same. If he allowed Peter to walk on the water just by his words, tell me he cannot do miracles in our lives. In Matthew chapter 20, and you can turn there. In Matthew chapter 20, I'll read from verses 29 to 34. And in Matthew chapter 20, I, I, you know, I, we've read this story many times for some of us. But it starts off this way in verse 29. Now as they came out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. So let's stop there. The multitude said to them, Be quiet, because they're calling out for Jesus. I wonder, what is our multitude? You know, what, what is it that speaks to us that wants to cry out to the Lord, that wants to change, that wants to do better? I wonder what is it that tells us, be quiet. When Jesus wants to do something in our life, I wonder how many of us, we'll we, we'll hear other people, we'll, we'll be afraid, we'll, we'll think of, but what if, what if I do this, and then what if someone says this about me? What if I'm ashamed? What if, I, what if I make a fool out of myself? All of that kind of talk causes us to be quiet. But I want to instill this spirit into every single one of us tonight. After they said, be quiet, they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So they said that twice. The first time someone said, be quiet. The second time they said, you be quiet. Now they may not have said it, but I think what they did is they said, Soul, bless the Lord. And so they did. So Jesus stood still. I love this. Jesus stood still. Which meant that they 
captured the attention of the Lord and Savior that you and I worship. They captured his attention. Jesus stood still, and he called them. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Watch the love of our Savior. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And 15 years later, their eyes received sight. Yeah, wrong version, yeah? You know what version I just read? Our doubts. See if you guys are paying attention. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. Immediately. Immediately. Their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Here's what I, if you have your Bibles open or if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to write down. Simply this. Jesus saying this to you. What do you want me to do for you? It's not a selfish thing. He's asking that. What do you want me to do for you? See, I think sometimes as Christians, we, we and, and this is a good heart, we say to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll serve you with all my heart. But let's not forget the words of Jesus Christ that he would say to us, what do you want me to do for you? Make that your prayer. Don't feel like it's a selfish thing. He's asking, what do you want me to do for you? And see what he does from there. Amen. Amen. Close your Bibles. Put away your notes. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord Jesus, our our heart and our our soul, our mind, and how you've made us is is in awe of who you are and the things that you do. There's nothing that you would withhold from those who call upon you and and who live for you in, in, in a way that's pleasing to you. So Lord, tonight, as we're reminded through the Scriptures, through your Word, the things that you have done, the miracles that you've performed, it was more than just a miracle itself. It wasn't, it wasn't about the manna that fell. It wasn't about the feeding of the 5,000 or you walking on water. It came back to your Word, what you stated, what you said, and and, and who you are. It challenges us, Lord, that when we face these obstacles and when we face times of frustration or times of uncertainty, times of doubt, that we would cry out all the more. That we wouldn't just be people who stand on the sidelines and just watch you go by, but then we would cry out to you. And, and when, our, when our, our, our conscience, our mind, the people that surround us, 
our past, our, our, and sometimes our family or even our friends or, or those that, that are speaking to us, even from our memory, that we would shout all the more, that we would continue to cry out to you, that we would bless your name. And Lord, you stand still when we cry out to you. You don't just pass us by, but with compassion, you ask us, what do you want me to do for you? It's a humbling feeling, Lord, that you would even ask that. We, we don't deserve anything. But because of your compassion for us, you still ask, what do you want me to do for you? And so, Lord, that's our prayer, that we would answer you. And right now, if, when we're praying, you just talk to the Lord right now. He can hear your heart. What do you want him to do for you? So, Lord, I pray as the days go by that we would never forget that you're the miracle maker. And when you speak, it's a done deal. Thank you for loving us enough to ask us, what do you want me to do for you? In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said amen.